Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Watch with Fuzzy podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And for today's guest episode, I have on Julianne Fraser. She is a digital marketing expert and founder of Dialogue New York, a leading global influencer marketing agency on a mission to thoughtfully connect brands with creatives to create meaningful dialogues on the internet that truly resonate. She started the agency six years ago and has built a roster of top-tier clients from Saqqara, Seed and Brooklinen, to Adidas, Love Bonus, and Cali Rosa, among many others. What I really enjoyed about this conversation with Julianne is that she's just so well-rounded. We were able to talk a little bit about everything from her framework around relationships and her marriage, um, how she has approached raising her daughter and how she incorporates her daughter in her life and her and her husband's life. I found a lot of that fascinating. And also one of my favorites, uh, as you guys know, I love splitting my time between two different cities as well. And it's always just been a big dream of mine. And Julianne's uh, used to split her time between New York and Paris. And that's also something that we talked about. And just overall, a lot of great nuggets here. I think this is a great episode for aspiring or current female entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those of you who are looking for insights from all areas of life. And I think Julianne really hit the nail on the head with this one. So with that being said, let's welcome Julianne to the podcast. Julianne, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited. As I told you earlier, our coffee convo a couple weeks ago had me very inspired. (laughs) We talked about a lot of things, Um, but I am very curious to start with your career journey and your background and everything that you do. And then, of course, we'll tie it in uh, to you being a mom and just being a badass as a whole. (laughs) But um, let's start there. Like when... Did you start your company? Share a little bit about your company and how you got into the industry. Yeah, so I, I'm i actually from Western Canada originally. Okay. Um, yeah. And I moved to New York probably 11 years ago to attend FIT. So that was sort of my yeah. like foray into the Big Apple and and my introduction um, to the city. And so right after I graduated, um, there was like a guy who was guest lecturing in one of my classes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he was, he was, um, mentioning there was an opportunity for a social media coordinator, which mm-hmm. nowadays that's like so such a common job. But right, that, right. you know, Instagram had just launched around yeah, that time. Yeah. And so people weren't paying attention to social media. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. It wasn't part of marketing strategies. Um, and so that was my first role at Ian Schrager Hotels, um, wow. you know, Edition Hotels in public, the same right, sort of right. group. Um, and it was such an amazing opportunity to really like fly under the radar and nobody was paying attention to what mm-hmm, I was doing, mm-hmm. but kind of test and learn um, and start to build, you know, organic relationships with influencers at the time. Right. So, you know, the Kiara Fragnes of the world or Mariana Hewitt or mm-hmm. Christelle Lim, mm-hmm. all of them 
um, were coming to New York and we were doing these exchanges for hotel rooms yeah, at the time. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of where it all began. Um, and because the industry obviously took off, um, my career really like catapulted quickly yeah. and, you know, took a number of different roles, both on brand side and agency. But it came to a point six years ago where I just was realizing the influence marketing world was so you know, oversaturated, I call it the wild, wild west. There right. were so many different approaches and I felt like there was an opportunity to really kind of like break through the noise and do something different. So I launched my company Dialogue mm -hmm. um, six years ago. It was just myself. Wow. Um, and as a marketer, I think you put so much pressure to launch a brand in mm -hmm. such a like, you know, robust yeah. way. But I did the complete opposite to that. I um, had no website. I had no social presence. Wow. Um, I was just a one man show. And I just went off of my reputation and relationships in the industry to get my first couple of clients and thought, let's give this a go. Commit to six month contracts. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the rest is history. We're now, you know, um, we've we've grown to a team of 10. Um, we're based in in Williamsburg and we've worked with a lot of really amazing clients over the years so wow growth happened organically yeah you mentioned that you wanted to take a different approach to it and kind of break through the noise why did you want to specifically focus on influencer marketing versus maybe other aspects of social media and as you can as you, we both know it's it's expanded so much beyond influencer marketing it's also so much like social media strategy and yeah. like aesthetics and like all these different things yeah. that Honestly, I'm sure it takes a whole team mm -hmm. to very much do, but why focus specifically on influencer marketing during that time? Well, I think a little bit of, you know, it's funny, I'm reading a book right now, and of course I'm forgetting the title of it, but I <laughs> like was devouring it last night. Yeah. Um, and there was a chapter in it that says like so much of your life is about dumb luck. Mm. And there's so much that you can do strategically and like really like, you know, focus on building your career, but it just, I happened to fall into this world of social media early right, on. Right. I happened to get an expertise in influencer marketing. So yeah. it definitely wasn't calculated. Totally. I think my expertise and knowledge grew quickly in a, in a time where nobody knew anything about influencer marketing. Right, right. So, That's true. Um, I think you pointed out a really great point, though. When starting my company, I have always been really hyper niche and just offering influence marketing. My mm -hmm. background has been in performance marketing and social media marketing and content creation, right. digital PR. Um, but I realized, you know, there was just a, a really specific need for brands to understand how to approach building a really authentic community of, right. of influencers and creators. Yeah. Um, and that was just, it happened to be my expertise. So I would say it's kind of serendipitous in a way, but also I just had a feeling in my gut that when you, I feel like in life, windows of opportunities open and right. they're not huge doors. They're just yeah. small little windows and you can miss them if you don't, you know, right. jump on the opportunity. Right. But I just saw this small window of opportunity where I thought, okay, I can do this better and mm -hmm. more efficiently, more meaningfully. Um, and so I, I went for it. Yeah. How long did it take you to grow your team? You said it's now a team of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So six years. And I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, like I was so focused on just getting the work done. So one of my first clients um, was an old boss of mine. She was the VP um, of marketing at Shiseido. And so mm -hmm. Shiseido being a huge, huge, huge beauty brand was my first client, worked with them for three and a half years. Wow. And that just, you know, built at least a, a base when I started. Yeah. And then, you know, I think the next big opportunity came with Sakara Life. And that mm. was, a, again, a referral of someone in my network. And yeah. Sakara Life opened up the doors to 
Daily Harvest and Daily Harvest opened up the doors to seed probiotics and mm. Brooklyn Inn and Our Place and yeah. all of these, um, you know, clients and, and our um our roster started to mount and, and get, you know, larger and larger and, and mm-hmm. sort of more exciting. Um, but it very much happened step by step. So mm-hmm. similarly, my company grew in the mm-hmm. same way. It was just me for, say, the first eight months. I hired one employee. Um, and I, I think it wasn't until about three years ago, so three years into starting Dialogue, mm-hmm. where I started working with a business coach that completely kind of broke open my limiting beliefs mm-hmm. or broke broke down my limiting yeah, beliefs yeah, yeah. and that led me to really a, an extreme amount of growth quickly right what was your because we talked about that on our coffee mm-hmm. uh date if you will and i remember um you mentioned that this coach helped you significantly yeah. with breaking through those limiting beliefs i'm curious was one of them ever the fear of going from one woman show to now paying employees full time, yeah. how that looks for how much you get to take home. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I could totally see that that's often a battle from, you know, solo entrepreneur into growing a team. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel I wasn't necessarily as concerned with growing my team because it was calculated in consulting as mm-hmm. opposed to launching a startup. Mm-hmm. There's a set amount of revenue. There's totally. contracts in place. You know what you're going to be right, you know, right. receiving, and you know what you can invest in. Right. I think where the major limiting beliefs were, um, nobody, no one could ever manage my client meetings except for me. Okay. Um, nobody okay. could ever do my 60-page strategy decks except for me. That's only something I can do as a consultant. Mm. Um, I'm never going to be able to. I was living in Paris at the time mm-hmm. and working New York hours, so yeah. I was working till like one in the morning because clients are going to drop me if I all of a sudden I'm choosing my own hours. So right. all of these like this noise, and he, slowly working with Ben, I started to dismantle all of these beliefs where. Uh, absolutely, you can find someone who can run your client meetings right. far better than I am. And right. my team as a unit produces far better strategies than I ever did by myself. And okay. setting boundaries to say that I want to do all my meetings in the morning Eastern time is not a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, slowly starting to unravel that mm-hmm. really helped me grow because it allowed me to like empower and um, delegate a lot of the work and, and you know, trust others to do it. And so that's yeah. where you grow. If you get stuck in the idea that only you can do it, right. you'll never, you know, scale. Yeah, and you mentioned that um, your team as a unit ended up being able to have these meetings and, and, and have very similar strategies. And I think you alluded to that in a coffee conversation too, which is um, almost kind of learning from your approaches and then applying that themselves how did you teach that to them in a way that enabled them to take that into their own approach versus um almost like hand holding the whole way yeah it's interesting i feel i was just chatting with someone over coffee this morning about hiring and i think there's two ways to go about it i was you know, a small company. So I was hiring more junior level team members Mm -hmm. and spending, you know, years of mentorship and training. It's not something that like, you know, people say, well, how did you do it? You now have a team that is really, you know, really running the show and and they're doing incredible work without me Mm -hmm. really being involved in the day to day. That didn't happen overnight. And Mm. there's two ways you can think about hiring. You can hire someone really senior who has that skill set that can come in um, automatically. But 
I, um, you know, really identified um, individuals that were values aligned with our values at Dialogue, that had the hunger and excitement in them to learn and were passionate about what we do and really mm. loved our industry. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really like standardized it in the sense where we had training Um, Mm. You know, every Friday afternoon was client management training. And it's not necessarily the hard skills. It's the soft skills of reading someone's personality, adapting to a client's, you know, needs. Is Mm. is someone um, have a huge ego? Is someone really insecure? Mm. Is someone getting a ton of pressure from their CEO internally? Is someone really burnt out and not enjoying their job? And recognizing that in a client and then adapting the way we provide our services. Mm. So... It sounds really frivolous to like train a team member, but that's actually what leads to our client retention and our connection with our clients and our relationships because we can recognize what they need and we adapt our services, our strategies, our approach for them. And so it's that soft skills of negotiating, client management, recognizing red flags, just like the the kind of EQ, which I, I actually did like standardized training Um, for my team around that yeah and so did you feel like originally because I could imagine myself very similar especially when it comes to like my podcast and my entrepreneurship life I think there's a lot of that mentality too where maybe I'm the only one that has that EQ level to understand that so I need to be the one speaking to you know the head of the whatever right and so um that's kind of fascinating to hear that from you like learning to break through from that belief like that I'm the only one that can connect with the client like this because this person might not have the skill set yet and the amount of times I'd roll my eyes and be like no like you just don't really understand like I'm the only one that can like really host that meeting because I know and and he would just say okay fine Juliana (laughs) and time after time I'd come back and he'd be like ah amazing so you found (coughs) excuse me this team member who and it's not even about necessarily training someone, but it's identifying people whose that's their zone of genius. That's what okay. they love to do. Mm-hmm. You can't force someone to host and uh, host meetings and and be really in that social pr- perspective. That's not their zone of genius. Right. So I think it's identifying people in what they love doing and what fires them up, and then giving them the skill set. So it's kind yeah. of that combination. Right. Um, but that's truly for me the way not only to grow I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like admiration around growth and success of a business Mm -hmm. which I aspire to but also even more so it allows you to have freedom in your Mm -hmm. life if you can empower others to do what they love to do yeah and get like a a team really working together to produce it it frees you up from you know having to be on every single call right having to control every single strategy burning the midnight oil i feel like that like hustle and grind narrative of i have to do it all yeah it's it's just a story you're telling yourself you don't have to do it all and you don't have to burn yourself out in new york city that's actually not the case for everyone yeah 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 no no i agree and I think that resonates with a lot of young women listening to this who are maybe freelancers right now mm-hmm. or maybe starting something small as well is learning, you know, like I think after that solopreneur years, right, like you experience, 
at some point you reach a glass ceiling mm-hmm. and a threshold of okay i cannot grow this unless i outsource xyz yeah. right and it's kind of the question of how do i break through that limiting belief of okay i don't know if i can because financial like financial reasons or the controlling aspect mm-hmm. right i mean I, I think a lot of people face that but totally. they don't often hear about like maybe the process of how you break through that yeah and again like that is all very real mm-hmm. i so dialogue and the success of our company has been solely referral basis that's the yeah. only way we've ever gotten clients wow. close to 100 clients in six years so it is the art the value of our reputation and quality work is everything to me i have mm-hmm. such high expectations that we never falter with the yeah. quality of work that we do but it's so it's not necessarily in saying that you can like offload it it's mm-hmm. just knowing that you can find people that actually will do it better yeah. like yeah. and you don't they might be junior and you might think well they don't have my expertise but you know there's so much that that you bring as an individual but when i get into a conference room with my team sometimes the best most creative ideas come from our intern who's Mm -hmm. still in school who works for us hourly right and it's not this i think sometimes new york can tell this narrative of like hierarchy and pay Mm -hmm. your dues but it's a matter of just letting everyone do what they do best and live in their zone of genius and collaboratively you know produce the work so how did you handle let's say times when you and a client parted ways Mm -hmm. i think this one is definitely a question that a lot of freelancers and those who start their own client service-based business often struggle with as well right and and i think that's something once again not people not many people talk about as much because it's it's on the less sexy side of business right well i think so many so so many things i've learned over the years first of all uh at the beginning i took any and every client that would take me okay i was like so excited just to have the revenue come in yeah and i completely took on the wrong clients that were not needing our specific skill set or they weren't ready for our strategy so it's taken me years to be able to in the new business process i interview the brand and i ask them do you have a robust brand marketing strategy pr strategy social strategy all of this needs to be in place before we get started right so i think that was the first big shift of recognizing that in order for you to do your best work and again it's it's tricky because of course like you can't go out and be that picky off the bat. You totally, do have to like, totally. and I, I was offering like very deep dish discounted rates and yes. retainers for yes. like the early stages. So yes. there's a lot of like, you know, piecing it together at the beginning. Of but course. I think recognizing that taking on a client that's not ready or aligned with you yeah. can actually do more damage to your morale, your team's mm-hmm. morale, the quality of your work. You're not going to produce the same quality yeah. work. Yeah. Um, so that was really tricky. But also um, recognizing the importance of um, I used every single time we would lose a client, I would take it deeply personal. Like Mm. I would be absolutely gutted. Right. And I kind of started to realize the importance of asking for feedback Mm -hmm. and recognizing it. And what I was really proud is that over the years, okay, this is an early stage startup who has a very short runway and they're running out of money Mm -hmm. and it's a financial decision. Right. Or this is a company that, um, you know, we've worked with for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. We built the foundation of their program and we've done such a great job. They're hiring an in-house team of four people. That's not a failure for us. That's actually a success. And so starting to really recognize and even to this year get to the point where I can identify, you know, 
one of the clients, for example, uh, that we had worked with for about six months, I said, I actually think this will be more efficient for you to hire someone in house Mm -hmm. sitting right next to the founder Mm -hmm. because there's so much intricacies to the service they offered that we ended up being sort of this like messenger back and forth. And I said, this isn't productive to have an agency. So let me help you hire. And I put together a JD and recommended some individuals for them to hire in house. So it took some time to get over that like emotion of, oh my gosh, either we're dropping a client or they're dropping us. But I can say in all the years, what was always paramount to me is maintaining Dialog's reputation Mm. and ensuring that even if we part ways for whatever reason, people will say great things about Dialog and working Mm -hmm. with us. And that's what's most important. Um, So I think it's a journey, but getting to a point where you don't see that as a failure and see it as actually sometimes an opportunity because it frees you up to work with a better yeah. client that's more aligned. Right. And and I like that you mentioned the importance of actually, again, of course, there's nuance to the beginning days of when you need the revenue. Yeah. And you're at your 20 some year old in New York yeah. City and you need that money to pay rent. But at the same time, I, I agree. Like, I think as you develop more, you know, and, and I have my own uh, social media branding agency as mm-hmm. well. And that was something I experienced in recognizing that it's not great to take on clients that are not aligned especially let's say um maybe it's financial reasons they're just not at a revenue point yet that they should be taking on someone like you um and it's similar as you said right initially it's like you take it personally as most of us will probably Mm -hmm. experience in the early days but you recognize the importance of alignment but something that i saw a parallel to is in dating Mm. right similar to when you are going on initial dates i know you've you know you're not in the dating scene anymore but right I'm sure you hear the stories with girlfriends in New York and um, when you meet someone that is just not aligned with you and to carry that on you can feel it yes right and so it it was it was kind of a fascinating aha moment to see when I had a very aligned client it felt like this Mm -hmm. and same with dating right when you meet someone and it's actually a genuine alignment Mm -hmm. of everything across the board from just natural chemistry to compatibility on vision or whatever yeah you feel it like this and I feel like with dating like as much as there I think there is an intuition to it mm-hmm. um and I, I'm a big believer like I've been married I've been with my husband 10 years and we've been married uh four and a half mm-hmm. and we've put so much work and and like commitment into yeah. making our relationship work. It's not, yeah. e- I think there used to be these like fairy tale stories of like finding your soulmates perfect. Right. And right. all the couples that I admire that I recognize, they're really committed to working on each other for right. f- on themselves for the other. Right. Um, and so there's certainly a lot of, you know, commitment and work that goes into it. But I do think from the get go, there's mm-hmm. that intuition. Yes. Similar with a client, similar with anything. Right. And we often like ignore it. But I had that intuition on the first date with my husband. Yes. And yes. it, like you just know it. Yeah. And so and again, it's not like soulmates and whatever. Totally. Like, trust me, we've gone through the works and, totally. and ups and downs. But I do think like similarly with a client when you can feel that mutual respect mm-hmm. and, um, you know, admiration. Yeah. Um, it's you can't ignore that. And likewise, the opposite. Right. And it's great timing, too, because I wanted to transition into, you know, your relationship, something that honestly, from that coffee conversation, I was like, wow, there's a lot of great nuggets here for young women to understand. And like you said, right, it, there is 
a lot of work that is put into any awesome relationship. Yeah. Um, but I think just starting from the intu- intuition part, um, something I definitely have noticed as a pattern is a lot of people that I look up to, especially in their romantic relationships, more often than not, usually like 90% of the time, they've always said something along the lines of like they knew <laughs> very much in the beginning. And again, in, in books, we might see it as like, oh, a romantic fairy tale or that's yeah. Hollywood. but to me, that was like, that's an interesting pattern I've noticed. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people actually, to some degree, knew. Mm-hmm. And I was like, li- like just lit up by hearing you share like what you, you showed me that picture that you wrote on the oh bathroom, my gosh, right? Yeah. It was like so cool. I was like, yeah. wow, like, you know, and you were younger too. You were like 23. 23 when I met yeah. you. Yeah. And, and you shared that story of, um, you know, him like coming to your birthday and like him making that comment to his friend. So I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. it is fascinating to me that it does work both ways. And again, I think I always heard that as well and took that into account. Um, and of course wanted that for myself and, and noticed the differences when I when I did notice something like that but hearing that in real time is also very like okay like you know that's a thing but can you share a little bit about just kind of your thought process on intuition and maybe times um, maybe it's observing friends that you saw uh, were questioning in the beginning and you also just knew for them like this was not it type of thing yeah it's so interesting because I, I, like I can't describe it anything more than an intuition. Like I came home from our first date and I was living with a roommate at the time and mm-hmm. I came home to her, I was like, oh, I'm marrying this guy a thousand percent. That's and so crazy. he came to my birthday a week later with a couple of his friends with all these like presents. He had just <laughs> met me and his buddy was like, ooh, that's a little much, dude. Like, right. you're, And he was like, I'm going to marry this girl. So that's and so it's hilarious because cool. he would kill me for even saying that. Like mm-hmm. my, Rob's the opposite of that. He's not at all like gushy romantic. Totally. So we both had this like intuition. But does that mean everything is like fairy tale and perfect? Absolutely not. Right. You know, like right. there were times where we lived apart. He had to he had moved back to Paris. I was still in New York. Right. We did long distance for a while. Um, we, you know, have we've gone through pandemics together. We've yes. gone through parenting together. We've had right. a child together. Like right. there's a lot of difficulties and challenges um, along the way. But I do think that intuition generally is there at the early. And also in the flip side, friends of mine that have been divorced or um, have broken up with people that they've been with long term, they too have that gut intuition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really easy to ignore it. Yes. Um, either being cynical and ignoring, you know, the fairy right. tale story or ignoring the like red flag that's in, yeah. in your mind. But um, I think, yeah, it's important to just not that it needs to feel perfect. And it just honestly, I think the key to it, like I said, is two people committed to working on themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a marriage in a relationship in a partnership yeah as long as you're open to being self-aware learning about yourself like learning how you can be you know more understanding or Mm -hmm. um like adapt yourself to be a better person for the couple that to me is what i see is like a Mm -hmm. a great long-term success yeah i think it's when people are just stuck in their ways and saying, well, he's the way he is, he'll never change, or she's right. the way she is, that's where it starts to get tricky because yeah. you also grow a lot in 11 years and right. you change. Right, and, and that makes me fascinated too, right? I think being in a city like New York where casual dating, fun dating mm. uh, is very prominent, right? How did yeah. you manage, or both of you, because you guys were on the younger side for New York, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's really cool is that you met someone, ended up, dating that person long term and then also in those years you started dialogue and you Mm -hmm. were kind of in the building process of your life and your career how did that look like 
with having a relationship because I think sometimes people go oh maybe I should wait until I'm at a certain stage in life to then accept something like that right mm-hmm. and of course I think sometimes people will look back and be like wow I shouldn't have passed up that opportunity when I met someone yeah. all because of this belief like I should wait until I'm this age or after oh, totally. I've done this in my career and I'm sure you've you've seen that or heard that through you yeah. know friends and mutual friends but but what was that like for you and and of course your husband as well yeah I mean I think one big piece of advice I got from a mentor in my 20s I was Rob's career was growing quickly. I was mm-hmm. my career was growing quickly and I had this story in my head of I want this dream power couple, you know, mm. and like okay. I'm so excited to be like, you know, to have this equal and, and a partnership and that was so crucial and important to me. Mm-hmm. And my mentor at the time was like 10 years older and he was like, "Julianne, that's great, but you're in this for the long run." Yeah. And having that power couple like think about how my husband's name is Robinson. Like, how's Robinson going to be as a dad? How's mm-hmm. he going to be as, you know, mm. like your partner when you're in your 80s? And I was right. like, oh, please, like, whatever. That's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, all that matters right now is that we're hustling, grinding, we're growing together. We're, mm. He was launching his consultancy. I was launching mine. We were just like this power duo. Right. And it could not be more accurate. Like, your, your, whether you commit to this person in a marriage or a partnership, like ultimately you're wanting to build a life with this individual and you're going to grow in your life and your priorities are going to shift and change. Mm -hmm. And I can say that entering our new phase with a a year and a half daughter, Mm -hmm. Rob's like the most incredible dad and our values are so aligned in terms of our family. And so I think it's really important to look at someone, not just of like a piece of paper, check the box Mm -hmm. of what, is shiny and exciting in a yeah. partner in your 20s but right. really think like about your values and what matters most to you mm-hmm. um and as hard as it is to think of your 30s your 40s your 50s and and onward mm-hmm. just seeing this as like a, a holistic relationship and all the values yeah. it can bring and then i also just think that it's so crucial to find someone that like will support you and it's so corny mm-hmm. to say that but mm-hmm. like rob is the ultimate feminist like yeah. my success makes him most proud and right. he never once has ever like felt threatened by having a, a you know a wife who is an entrepreneur right um, he's always supported me in my endeavors right and I think like that you can identify really early on in a relationship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's so crucial if it is something that you know you're pursuing your dreams that you both are you know there for one another right um and in my case I was very lucky that we kind of just like have not followed traditional like gender norms of like right. what a man and a woman and all that story we just sort of have followed our own dreams yeah and um it's led to just you know the most supportive partner in my life but I think right. again you can identify that really early on in seeing how someone is supporting your little dreams because yeah. dialogue was just a small seed of right. an idea you know when I was 27 right so. how was it when you were building that because I'm sure you were also allocating a lot of time to focus on growing that and and I know you mentioned that he was also starting his own consulting business at the time too but what did that like did you guys ever have to have a conversation of hey you know we're going to at this chapter prioritize the relationship a little bit less in any Mm -hmm. way because we're building or and I don't want to say less like in a negative way but just acknowledging that hey we're both you know 27 and 30 and we want to we see a future for ourselves together we see us building a family we're going to do this now so that we can have that life 
for our family? Was that a conversation you guys ever had to have? Or did you feel like the speed was the same even when you were, um, you know, building up the companies? I feel like being really clear on what your priorities are and what is most important to you is, is really vital because, again, like, I look at a lot of my friends who have started, you know, precede startups and they do have to absolutely burn the midnight oil and Mm -hmm. and you know work their ass off but I really am always so careful to subscribe to this hustle and grind narrative of New York I grew up with it I my career you know developed in this like you have to show face you have to be at like at work till Mm -hmm. you know 9 p.m. you have to be the first thing like all of this like narrative working on weekends always available it's only gotten exponentially worse with like, you know, Slack and, right. you know, just 24-7 social media and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but Rob and I, when we when we were building our careers or when I was starting Dialogue, it was never this notion of like, we're stopping everything else in our life right. and doing this. It was very important to us that we had a balance. So mm-hmm. we've always, every summer we, we, we go to France to spend time with his family in the south of France. Mm-hmm. And it was really important that when crafting our dreams and our goals Mm -hmm. we preserved that freedom of Mm -hmm. travel Mm -hmm. um and being able to work anywhere everywhere yeah that we um you know really prioritized other passions of ours outside of work so we really Mm -hmm. love film and art and fashion and decor and all of these aspects that make us happy humans beyond our work Mm -hmm. um we really ensured that those were preserved so Mm. I think it's it's really important sometimes it can feel like entrepreneurship is this all or nothing but I don't think it has to be I think you can find a way to be successful grow a company you know achieve all of your goals but Mm -hmm. also have a life outside of it and so that was like our value set that we agreed upon early on and preserved that together yeah and something that I really took from our last conversation too is how you shared that I think one of the things was um now that you guys have a daughter together that she is not the center of your your mm. universe but that she's a part of your universe yeah and i think i share that with a girlfriend too like like later <laughs> that week i was like guys this is like so super cool but can you share more about that philosophy because i do think that is so key i think regardless if someone's listening right now and they are an entrepreneur or will be an entrepreneur and a mom at the same time i, I, I yeah. just i like that aspect of like oh wow like because you said you know um you bring her when you travel and she's been on many many flights 36 right flights yeah a lot of flights and i yeah. think right i'm thinking wow like i feel like my parents would judge me for that i'm sure mm-hmm. there's a good chunk of society that would mm-hmm. judge me for that and that's why i was like i like that you what's it called like you 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 do live to the beat of your own drum yeah and and again having that kind of fundamental view of she's a part of our universe she's not the center of it yeah I mean first of all man this world of parenting has really blown open so many totally um doors for me (laughs) but I think what's so vital there's so much judgment and preaching when it comes to motherhood or parenting and I think what's so vital is like I'm not going to sit here and say it should be done this way. It's right. so personal. And as long as you are, you know, loving your child, supporting them in their exploration, mm-hmm. providing a predictable environment, I think there's like three main things that really like, you know, help a child flourish. Right. Whatever, 
you know, strategies or approach or decisions you make is what's best for you and your family. And mm-hmm. so I just say that, you know, with a caveat, because the amount of stories that were put on me when I was pregnant, of, mm-hmm. it's going to be like this. You're never going to travel oh, again. You're never going to work yeah. out again. Your company yeah. is going to like, you'll never have a work ethic. Right. You're not going to have your am- ambition, yada, yada, yada. All these yes. horrible things that people will say, like, this is the way it's going to yeah. be. So I think it's so important to recognize you have your own experience. Our experience, we bring in our cultures. My husband's French. I'm from Canada. And I think a lot of French society actually mm-hmm. pushes this narrative uh, and believes in this narrative that there's kind of two philosophies where your child is the center of your universe, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful notion. Mm-hmm. We kind of subscribe to the idea that Navy's not the center of our universe. And that mm-hmm. usually gets like, <gasps> like a gasp. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. how could you say that? But she is part of our universe. And yes. she's the most important part of our universe. Right. Like, she is, uh, you know, the most important element in my life. But we we have her just part of what we do. So yeah. uh, like you said, we, we travel quite a bit. She's been on 36 flights in a year and a half. And mm-hmm. we bring her with us. And it's not always... It's not easy. Yeah. It's not like it's not always like sunshine and butterflies, but that's something that's important to us and our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so she's part of that. Um, we are, you know, we really are into food and, yeah. and I'm really into cooking. And so yeah. she's been my sous chef since she's like a month old <laughs> where she like smells the basil or like she plays, you know, cutting and pretending and whatnot. And so yeah. I actually see that philosophy of, of making your child part of your universe, not the center of it, a gift to them because mm-hmm. you're exposing them now to all of your passions. You're maintaining your identity as a mom and like what makes you happy and, and fills you up. Yeah. And you're now expanding all of that like experience to your child versus mm-hmm. if you make them the center of the universe and you sh- you stop you know your fitness or your travel or right. your passions or your social life or your friends right you're not you know expanding your child's like yeah. universe in that sense right so. how did you deal if you did deal with it in regards to let's say like family or close friends that maybe would try to input their opinion too much yeah. on like hey you know like you shouldn't be taking her on that many flights type of thing. You know what I mean? And I'm actually curious just for myself because I, I know that I'm very, I've always been the type of individual that done things my own way. Mm -hmm. And that being said, right, there's always a lot of resistance to that, whether it's friends talking about it with one another or sharing their Mm -hmm. opinion to you, thinking they're trying to be a good friend, of course, but maybe overly uh, sharing that opinion or of course the parents, right? I know mine would be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you are not a 20-some-year-old in New York anymore. You are a mother, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like... Mm-hmm. And so when I hear a realistic approach of someone that's doing the thing, I'm like, well, here's a, here's an example. And I think yeah. that's the same thing with entrepreneurs. It's like, well, she's done it, so I can too, right? So you know totally. how like that, tr- that uh, ripple effect of like seeing someone else do it helps you think, oh, I can do that as well. Or I that it's possible at the very least. The comments are always there. Mm-hmm. I think my, my parents are in, in Canada. They I had a more <laughs> traditional, like, you know, like lifestyle. They both worked in government. It was, yeah. you know, we didn't travel extensively growing up. Um, so the, there's, like, questions of, like, what? Like, even when I told my parents we're mm-hmm. going to live between New York and Paris, yeah. we're going to have a partner or apartment in Brooklyn. We're going to have one in Montmartre, and we're going to go back and forth. They're like what but (laughs) I think that's okay and and likewise when we tell we speak about our parenting style you'll have friends that are like whoa like that's that wouldn't work for me right but as long as 
people will be surprised and people will have opinions, but as yeah. long as they respect it, and there's yeah. a big difference. So right. like, That's my true. parents will be like, how, what, how does that work? But they're not going to judge me for it. They'll be like, okay, like, you, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you go, you do you. Yeah. Or I'll have friends that'll be like, wow, we, you know, I would never take my child out to a restaurant. We take Navy to um, our like neighborhood restaurant every single Sunday. Yeah. And the first couple of weeks, like we have a little family like lunch Aww. basically. And the first couple of times we took her, she was like throwing food everywhere and oh screaming. God. And we're like, oh my God, like this is so embarrassing. <laughs> and then after a couple of weeks, she started to acclimate and get used to it. Mm. And now she'll sit without a phone, without any social media, like just chilling, eating her French fries and like relaxing for a full hour. <laughs> wow, so and cool. so, but you know, you'll have friends that are like, I would never take my child to a restaurant. Right. Like how it's fine each yeah. to their own and you'll have those like comments but yeah. as long as people are just respectful for like you know I, I don't agree with some of the techniques that I know other you know parents use but I don't judge them for it that works totally. for them this works for us totally so. yeah and and something else that I like that you've done too is the structure that you shared with me on how like you actually are very mindful of how you allocate time with her mm-hmm. in the morning and then during like work hours you're here and then after I don't know, I think it was like 4 p.m. or something yeah. that like you are home, you're, you and your husband are spending time with her. Yeah. You, since you enjoy cooking and you love her being a part of that, like yeah. you have that moment with her. Can you share how you've been able to kind of like narrow that structure down and also I think like have that vision of shared values? I think you had shared that you have it on your fridge or something like that. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, it's like, again, some people might think, oh, wow, it's so structured, but I think there's actual um there, there's a secret of success there of like these are some of the things we've learned down the road and now we implement certain things to help totally. continue that i think the structure is yeah something crucial for us at least like right. at the beginning we were like we're just gonna wing it like totally we don't need support like we don't need help like we're just gonna wing it we're like we have flexible schedules and yeah. then you just like absolutely drown in it and yeah. i think someone described it to me where it's like when you have a child your pie of whether it's like social life work your personal you know time for hair and and nails and working out your personal time your relationship you know Mm -hmm. before you had this like this you know nicely balanced circle yes your child comes in and takes maybe like 70 percent of like that with pleasure right it now means that you need to be so thoughtful with what you do in that 30 percent of your like your time yeah and so you know your if work is a huge priority as an entrepreneur, it's getting help, finding great people that can support, whether it's your parents or a nanny or a daycare, right. to allow that structure time. So it really helped me to say, okay, we wake up with Navy, I'm like present, we have breakfast together, we get ready together, yeah. we have that time from like, you know, 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning. Then at 8.30, I'm, I switch to work mode. And right. from 8.30 to like 3.30 or 4, I'm in work mode. I'm focused on my clients and meetings. And it allows me just the freedom to to not try and spread mm-hmm. myself too thin. Yeah. And then when I come home, phone is like plugged in, airplane wow. mode. I'm cooking dinner. I'm with my daughter and I'm present. And wow. I think having that structure before when you're like oh I can wing it I can take calls while she's napping in the house trust me I tried (laughs) yeah did not work for me Uh, I have to have that like very clear and my husband too like we identified what was important to him what he needed to preserve for his individual time Mm -hmm. and before we had Navy we actually talked about what are like our non-negotiables that make us who Mm -hmm. we are yes and Rob was like he works out like 
two to two and a half hours every day like <laughs> and, I'm, and he's like if I don't do that I will lose myself and mm. I said if I don't have a social life where I can connect with my girlfriends and really just like find time to I'm such an extrovert in that totally. sense I'll lose myself so those were our non-negotiables okay and we we schedule our lives around ensuring that each other we have that space so yes. I think that's awesome it's you know really important to you can't necessarily do it all I think that's sort of like a strange narrative right but you can just be more thoughtful in the shift of your you know time that you have now right how to prioritize what makes you feel most like yourself yeah um mm. your, yourself your your relationship whether it's like having a a babysitter and going out and doing the things you love to do with your right. partner right um and yeah and I think the biggest learning isn't necessarily about structure but it's just about like trying to like wing it in yeah. parenting yeah every time we try to wing it it blows up in our right face, right so. and and what I like about it though too is because a I think my natural instinct would be oh like let's probably wing this I mean we'll, we'll figure it out as yeah. we go but I think from when I when I hear you share that to me it's almost like having this that this vision that guides you in a more clear direction versus when you're winging it you're kind of like all over the place and not going specifically in a direction that's I think helpful for everyone as a team and as a unit and so I think that's what's fascinating is like hearing that I honestly I've never heard anyone share that you know and I'm sure you know I don't know five eight years from now like when I'm in that stage of life where I maybe a mom like I think that's something I'm going to remember but that's the thing it's like I think sometimes we don't really have the opportunity to hear these like oh like these nuanced ideas of like Mm -hmm. this is actually a potential way for me to approach it myself you know yeah and I think it's such a scary thing like I was petrified when I was pregnant of like I'm gonna lose myself I'm gonna lose my company I'm gonna lose my friendships I'm gonna Mm. lose my travel I'm gonna lose my adventure yeah yeah and it was really crippling and I think it's just a matter of knowing it's not this narrative you can have it all, right. but you can still maintain what you love and what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just about being more thoughtful with with your time. And, yeah. And honestly, the like scheduling and ensuring that you carve out time for my morning workouts. Mm-hmm. I carve out time, you know, for manicure once a week. Yeah. I carve out time to see my girlfriends. I carve out time to, you know, call my parents. Like having that, you know, and asking for what you need and for your partner also. Yeah. And just being a little bit more like thoughtful with it thoughtful. just ensures mm-hmm. that you have that balance because it can, you know, tip really quickly if you're not totally, you know, totally structuring it. Um, final few questions. I can, I think this one's gonna be really fun. Like one thing you would share with your younger self, let's say when you were mm. 25 in business career and then also relationships. And I would separate relationships with romantic as well as girlfriends because mm. this is a very uh, predominantly young female audience that yeah. they're in that first few years out of postgrad and they're dealing with all three mm-hmm. and all of them are hitting at once yeah. right girlfriend drama dating sucks in new york or la or wherever they are yeah. and figuring out their career path and you know hitting that wall uh oh my god that's like, <laughs> so 25 year old me let me think from a career perspective um it's interesting. I think um, I think what I would have told myself is you have no idea what potential is out mm-hmm, there and what mm-hmm. potential you have. Yeah. So I I kind of would would say, okay, if I can get three clients as a consultant, mm-hmm. that is success and that's it. I made yeah. it. And working with Ben, he would always like open up and unlock the next level. So he'd yeah. be like, Well, what would it look like if you 
quadrupled your revenue or you hit like, you know, a, a seven figure revenue goal. And I was never, are you kidding me? No. Right, right. And then you achieve it. And then even now, still to this day, I'm thinking, no, 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 we've hit success. Like we yeah. have a really successful company. I don't think we've even scratched the surface. Wow. And so I think it's really important just to like not limit yourself in what, because I, I see a lot of I friends like, like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, in early 30s now where mm-hmm. a lot of my girlfriends are extremely successful in their careers. Mm-hmm. They have made it. Like we're talking really great salaries and great roles and great titles. Yeah. And a lot of them have just like, so what? I made it. Like yeah, yeah, I achieved yeah. the VP level or I've hit this like, you know, salary goal. And if you limit yourself to just that's the end goal, mm-hmm. then there's just so much more beyond that. So right. I would think just like continue to challenge your notion of what's possible and where you can go next. Right. But, you know, don't get too stuck in just one end goal in life because right. I think like, you know, it just keeps evolving. So, yeah. and in terms of friendships, um, I think, I think as I got older and also traveling, mm-hmm. my time got limited of being able to like, you know, when I was in back, I was back in New York, I only had to say like a week to catch up with friends. And yeah. I think it's just about prioritizing. I mean, it's so like cliche, but just prioritizing people that make you feel amazing. Cause I yeah. think there's often times where you have these people in your life mm-hmm. that you've been friends with them so, for so long, but they drain you. They don't right. support you. They right. don't, um, they don't bring anything to your life. Yep. And I think as I noticed like a shift in my thirties of just not putting up with the bullshit mm-hmm. and just really wanting to have people surround me that love me and support me um not com- this competitiveness yeah. or tearing down like I really can say that like we just don't have that energy in our life my husband and I mm-hmm. in in terms of our friendships and Rob had a really when we moved back to New York um two years ago um he was very adamant on the notion of like we run our own race we're not Mm. gonna pretend to be something we're not we're not gonna be around people that are inauthentic and trying to be you know showing showcasing through xyz we're gonna be around people that are authentically themselves good bad the ugly and just are genuine Mm -hmm. and i think having that those type of people in your life is just the most important yeah Mm, and relationships i think it's like when you're contemplating um committing to someone Mm -hmm. in your life Mm -hmm. the biggest question is like is this person willing to work on themselves and Mm. am I willing to work on myself wow and the amount of times of failed partnerships I've seen it's because the person just won't they're not self-aware they won't work on their you know past trauma their experiences wow they're and and I think everybody has to continue that like development of you know, whether it be through therapy, whether it be just through reading, whatever form to just understand your limitations um, and and commit to that work together Mm -hmm. um, is what makes it work. So I think as long as you can see that your partner is in it to like really try and improve themselves and grow Mm -hmm. as an individual, Mm -hmm. because you can't change someone. You'll never be able to change that person. They have to change themselves. Right. So I think that's just, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect on paper and check all the boxes, but you just have to feel that they're willing to work and change for you and vice versa. Yeah. To work. Wow. Oh, that's profound, especially because I noticed that you said that earlier too, that the self-awareness and understanding and desire to grow um, as an individual 
individual for also a bigger thing such as the relationship and obviously for oneself but yeah. um no i love that just because i'm very into personal growth this podcast is too yeah. and so something i take into consideration for things that i observe in my own relationship as well as things that i see in, in close friends that are saying like hey i'm not sure you know and i think these are good nuggets to to pass along to the next generation totally. you know? and i think like oftentimes you know you you know i had a really nice upbringing and wonderful supportive parents you think oh, i don't have anything to work yeah, on yeah, i'm yeah. good <laughs> and the amount of like from from our couples therapy that yeah. it really just made me realize like wow like there's yeah. so much that i can be self and it doesn't mean that just because you didn't have necessarily like a traumatic upbringing that you don't have work to do on yourself right and so i think it's just right. being open to like totally the baggage and the experiences and the insecurities and the like all of this that you bring to the table in your 20s right all of that affects how you enter a relationship and mm. just being open to like hearing and learning about it whether yeah. or not it's like you know a traditional sense of you know uh, self-awareness or if it's just being curious about yeah. yourself yeah so Ooh, I love that um last two any book recommendations oh my goodness can be business. I'm reading life. an outstanding one. It's in my purse right now. Okay. So I will tell you it and, <laughs> okay, and well, we we'll can definitely put it share in on the story. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anything from the past that just sticks out to you that um, maybe business, life, personal development, or fiction even? Oh, book wise. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked Atomic Habits. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was really fantastic. Um, it's killing me. The book I'm reading last night, I just started it. Um, it's called almost the same I think okay uh, and it's just a notion on how much um, in life we try to forecast whether it be finances and investments mm -hmm. or planning your business mm -hmm. and like strategically planning for growth yeah and the vast majority of life is unexpected and you mm. think of like he gave the example of the economist who who wrote um, uh, uh, predictions for 2020, 2021. They did right. not predict the pandemic. They did right. not predict the war of, you know, between Russia and Ukraine. They didn't yep. predict all these elements. And those have the biggest impact on our society and life. Yep. And so as an entrepreneur, you can have all the what ifs like planned out, mm -hmm. but you're not, there always are going to be the uncertainty. That's so true. Um, that really impact it. Mm -hmm. and, and also um, he had a really interesting element around your happiness is mm -hmm. actually a notion of, your expectations and reality and the in the gap mm, between it and so yeah. the, he gave the example of how in the 50s there that was the era where people were most satisfied with their life and it's because there wasn't this huge disparity mm -hmm. of difference but everyone you know in middle class kind of had their bungalows and their chevrolets and they went camping for their holidays and now mm -hmm. in the world of social media there's huge disparity of people on private jets or traveling around the world mm -hmm. and you can compare yourself and you shift your expectations to it yeah whereas you don't realize you're really perfectly happy in mm -hmm. in what you have in front of you so right. that book was outstanding i'll triple check the um the title and, yeah. and tell you but we we have a book club at dialogues so my team each oh, that's so month cool. we read a different book um and yeah those have been two that really stood out to me love that love that um last question and something i ask every guest on the show but in reflection of everything uh you know you've building dialogue and your relationship with your husband and your daughter and everything you've you've experienced in life what would you say truly fulfills you in life mm. i think um it's something that i've been kind of conscious of there i listened to a podcast from a professor 
of happiness at Harvard. Mm. Um, What's his, do you remember his name by chance? Uh, I will send okay. it to you. My memory is yeah. like Yeah, I might have been listening to him before too. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it was actually a Tim Ferriss um, interview. So I can. Oh, I can, is it Arthur C. Brooks by probably, chance? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So amazing. I sent so that to my good. boyfriend. I was like, because he listens to Tim yeah. as well. And I'm like, you're going to love this episode. And it's a long one, but yes. I listened to it over like yeah. you know, four or five days. Yes. But he really had something that clicked with me and it was his um, anti-bucket list. Did you hear that part? It's so weird. Just we're Wasn't talking about this earlier today. Like, yes, the reverse bucket list yes. type of thing. Yes. yes. And yes. so I'm very ambitious. Wow. I have all these goals. I just mentioned in this interview how important it is to dream big and yes. like not limit yourself. Mm-hmm. But what's so important is to like write them out, have the vision board, like really uh, approach it, but cross them off. Because at the end of the day, yes, I would love to grow dialogue even more and I would love to achieve X, Y, Z, but I am so, so happy and grateful for my life today, for how fortunate, you know, Mm -hmm. I am with my, my, to have my husband and my daughter in good health and happiness in a community that surrounds us. And it can get so easy to focus on more, more, more going up the ladder. And you actually realize it's always in like retrospect how Mm -hmm. happy you are in the moment. And so when I think about fulfillment, every night I'm just trying to you know and, and oftentimes I've always been a big proponent of like gratitude journals yeah. but it sometimes just felt like I was like filling out a form yeah whereas like every night I just try and like close my eyes and think of all that I have to be grateful for mm-hmm. and it gives me such fulfillment because you realize you don't need yes. all the other stuff is gravy it's like yes. amazing to dream big and have more and whatnot but yeah what you have today is is enough and yeah. so i think that really gives me a lot of fulfillment wow oh that's i love that and and it's so ironic that my partner and i we were talking about yeah. reverse bucket list yes. earlier this morning no and way. he was reflect reflecting on mind. um just like his success in in business lately but also recognizing that you know it, he's he's accomplished everything he once wanted on you know his vision board mm-hmm. and his little checklist yep. and realizing like I've I've done these things and yeah. and so it's 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 finding that sweet spot like you said between wanting to achieve more and wanting to be able to do awesome things in life but also recognizing like I've done a lot yeah. and I'm really grateful and fulfilled to to just be where I'm at right now and just being aware of how the goalposts shift yes. like I remember <laughs> I was thinking of applying to a green card um, as a Canadian yeah. five years ago and as part of it you need to have press you have to be in the press and I was right. like never in a million years for the US would I yeah oh wow you have to demonstrate um especially as an entrepreneur yeah, that, that's you, right, that you that's have notoriety right. or whatnot yeah. and at the time I had zero press and I was like <laughs> never and I think it was on a vision board and then now oh, I've been fortunate so enough to, to be interviewed and, and have great press yeah and it's always like well I want the next level of press yeah. and so you don't realize that like five <laughs> years ago that Julianne would be so proud of what yes. I've accomplished but now I'm wow. like what's next so you really Mm -hmm. have to be aware of like and try and just think of like you know how far you've come and yeah and and at the end of the day all that matters is like your relationships and Mm -hmm. your like the people around you yeah um and you can have all the like you know money or experiences or luxury in the world but if you don't have like the people to like enjoy it with yeah means nothing so yeah that really resonated I can't believe that's so interesting (laughs) that's so awesome well Julianne thank you so much for joining me today and sharing everything with the audience where can everyone find you 
learn more about dialogue share your social media handles or wherever you want them to find yeah so um i'm julianne fraser on instagram definitely people can reach out and say hi and whatnot uh dialogue is dialogue nyc on instagram and our website's dialogue nyc as well awesome thank you so much thank you and that was all for today's episode with julianne fraser as always if you enjoy this episode please be sure to share this on your insta story tag the podcast insta at what fulfills you and if you are looking to find julianne all of her social links and her website is linked in the show notes thanks again for tuning in today i will chat with you all in the next one